Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains. Welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. Uh, as you can see, there's three squares on the screen here myself and paddy are delighted today to be joined by rob warner from the spark academy and rob is going to t- going to chat to us today about the aston villa kit but before we do that we want to get into rob's back catalog because rob you know you've had a series cv of shirts not only just nice shirts that have been designed also winning shirts as well rob so thanks very much for popping on the show and want to talk to us about some of those wonderful shirts that you've designed yeah pleasure thanks for having me um yeah, so I started designing kits professionally in 2001, um, working for Puma across in Germany. And one of my first tasks was to uh, add sleeves to the Cameroon sleeveless jersey. So it had already been designed, it had already been banned, uh, and we had to figure out how to get sleeves onto it without them looking like sleeves for the World Cup. Uh, so that was that was the first challenge that I faced. And then since then, I went on to design kits for Lazio, Monaco, uh, the Puma teams at the World Cup in 2006, including the winners, Italy. Um, also around that time, I did some work on track and field for Puma. So uh, the Jamaican Olympic team uh, uniforms for the Beijing Olympics. So when Beijing, when uh, Usain Bolt first started doing his celebration in Beijing, I designed all of that stuff for him. Um, and then uh, after... F- Six years of Puma, I moved back to the UK and worked for Umbro for five years, where uh, teams included, obviously, the Republic of Ireland, uh, England, Manchester City. So it was my design team that that designed the City shirt for the infamous Aguero moment. Um, And, yeah, worked my way through across all manner of teams, met some incredible people. Um, And then my final kit, ironically, was for the Canadian national team just before I moved to Canada. Um, to work for a yoga brand, but I'm back in the UK now um, to try and get back to some sort of dampness and coldness and all the sort of things that English people normally thrive in. 
uh, only this week. <laughs> it's absolutely not playing out like that at all. <laughs> there was an absolute laundry list, or should I say shopping list, I suppose, really, of successful teams there. But uh, I suppose the one, one thing that kind of is close to my heart, I know, close to Paddy's heart, was you mentioned about that Cameroonian jersey. And uh, I'll never forget waking up at, like, quarter past crazy in the morning to watch Cameroon and Ireland in, in that World Cup, the 2002 World Cup. And I think it was Matty Holland from about 35 yards snuck one into the bottom corner. And uh, yeah, I remember Kevin Kilban came on at left back. As you can see, Ireland have been a nation who've had some fantastic footballers. Listen to the names <laughs> we're mentioning. You know, I remember Matty wow. Holland being linked with Villa for years and years and we never, we never yeah. saw him. He made a career out of being linked with Villa. Yeah. I think that's what happened. That we He's never like the signed him. Carlton Palmer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got Mark Kinsler instead, so we yeah, got yeah. The, yeah. we got the Aldi version. But uh, yeah. it was, <laughs> but yeah, that 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 game was something else. I remember that. Um, I remember our local football team. I just won a cup the night before. And I remember getting maybe about an hour and a half sleep between celebrating winning that cup and then going to the game afterwards. And then when I arrived onto the pub, I completely forgot because I worked in the pub. When I arrived on the pub, I completely forgot I was working. <sighs> that was wow. a tough morning. I can guarantee you yeah, that. That was that was one of the toughest mornings I work I ever did. Yeah, everybody so. gave the wrong change. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think anyone mattered because there was uh, because because of the way Ireland performed in that game. But no, that was a really iconic shirt. I think really because it was one of the first kind of how would I say figure hugging shirts that was that, that, that came in and it looked yeah. amazing. And obviously because it was sleeveless, it was a real eye catcher. And even when the when the sleeves went on, it was it became a kind of a stable of of Puma and. Just to touch on it there as well, was that something that Puma wanted to bring in? Was more kind of the muscle fit shirts at, at, at that time, or was that something that they had been doing beforehand? Because that's one of the first ones that I kind of remember Puma bringing in um, that, that kind of had that kind of design. Yeah, it was. Um, so the, the sleeveless part of it was was created just before I arrived at the company. So that was my, my predecessor had worked on that. Mm. Um, but it was very much part of... A strategy where I mean, if you if you even look, say, two years before that, and going back to thinking of Mark Kinsella in the um, would it have been the maybe Diodora at the time with the the Rover mm -hmm. sponsor across the front, and the things were massive, you know, at that sort of that sort of time. Um, unless I'm getting my eras mixed up, but you know, even then there was there was a lot of big shirts prior to to kind of two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and that was when shirt pulling started to become a real issue for the players. So right. it wasn't so much of a, a stylistic thing for us. It was really looking at, at giving players a competitive advantage. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we, we totally thought about that and it worked well with Cameroon because they'd got such a small group of players to choose from. You kind of knew who was going to be in the squad every time and they all looked amazing in, in skin tight jerseys. So, you know it, that helped. Whereas when we got to two thousand and six, and the brief was get players to the ball faster, so we focused on aerodynamics and lightweight and and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the one of the best ways to make a human aerodynamic is to obviously have them in no shirt or have it be skin tight. But we had to think about the teams that we were kitting out, and at that at that time, one of our best hopes for a trophy we thought was the Czech Republic. Um, so obviously the skin tight shirts look great on the likes of Samuel Etu or Rigobert Song and 
and those sorts of guys. Skin tight shirts on Thomas Rosicki and Jan Collar, not so much. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't think you can get skin tight on Jan Collar. He was so really... <laughs> he's have to literally paint it on him, shrink wrap it. Um, but yeah, so now it, it was a, a, a choice that was based on on yeah giving the athletes an advantage. Yeah, and and that and there's a whole other podcast I'm sure we could do on science and the and and uh, I suppose the everything that goes into even I suppose the material of the shirt because yeah. God, like you remember, you could and I know rugby is probably I don't know if you did any rugby jerseys or anything yeah. like that, but yeah. when when you think about rugby jerseys, it used to be big, thick, hard cotton, so you couldn't rip them when they were in a tackle, and now they're as durable as any other but they're still very light you know and obviously that's to do with performance and so on so it's a uh, it's um it, what was somebody called somebody what did somebody call it was it accessory doping or something like that back in the day i remember there was some, some strange strange yeah. phrase like that that uh but um uh, like it, it, it and and you mentioned as well about Jamaica there and you saying both because some of their their stuff, you know, you see some runners and maybe it's probably more long distance runners and you can correct me on this, that they actually have baggy stuff, you know, yeah. when they're running and they've got stuff hanging off them. Like I've never seen a hundred meter runner that doesn't have a massive chain, you know, like where, when you talk about aerodynamics and stuff like that, is that all something that's taken into account even for those short sprint distances as well? Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, especially so with, with with the sprint events so whether it's athletics or football the, the sprints are typically quite short mm. um so that that does make a big difference the the other aspects and you mentioned the chains and stuff that the guys are wearing um it's just the psychology of of, of what people are wearing so if people believe something will make them quicker then you know there's a there's a, a likelihood that it will um okay. and then the, the converse is also true so we did the we did the all-in-one kit for Cameroon as well, which you may remember oh, yeah, also got would... banned. Um, and that was, you know, that was going to be like the ultimate. But one of the things we had to think of was, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than it being like an Olympic sprinter's outfit, which would be all-in-one skin tight, we put on like a second layer of looser fitting shorts onto the football kit because Olympic sprinters walk out into a, an athletic stadium and nobody's shouting abuse at them at them about the size of whatever may or may not be inside their <laughs> locker trunks whereas you know if you were to walk out of villa park as an opposition player um you know then it could be a psychological disadvantage if you've got forty thousand people singing songs about whatever is or yeah. is between your legs you're, you're um, anatomic you're anatomical um pluses or minuses i think yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um so yeah so all that stuff does yeah, plays a plays a big role, and so I think people tend to look at kits just from the aesthetic of it, and you know, does it look nice? Would I wear it with a with a pair of jeans? Whereas, not every brand does it, but there definitely is a big focus on it being an advantage to the athletes to wear those kits. And it's it's fascinating, as I say, we could probably do another two or three hour uh, on that because I'm one of these people that I don't write down any questions. As my mind wanders, I ask a question. So if you think about it, I'm a 35 year old, three year old child, really, when I start <laughs> interviewing. So uh, without taking up your whole day, I think we'll park that with there for a moment. But you you mentioned there as well, uh, Rob, that you have obviously you've had a lot of success. Uh, or you've been involved with a lot of successful teams. Do you get to? 
sample that success. Like, obviously, Italy winning the World Cup in, tw- in 2006, like, you can't get any bigger than that, really, you know? Do you get yeah. to sample that success? Are you part of it? Do you get to meet the people involved? Do you get invited for celebrations? Do you have a mini replica of the World Cup at home that was given to you by the Italian team? Is there anything like that that goes on? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, I was I was disappointed for the World Cup final that I didn't get a ticket for that. Um <sighs> And lots of people at the the organisation that were much more heavy hitting than me did manage to get tickets. Um, but you know that's the way of the world. But I was it's always the way, yeah. Always the way. But I mean, I, I can't complain. I was so lucky to have to have done other stuff. Like my first <clears throat> when I moved across to Germany, my first um, business trip was to go to Rome for three days and walk around the shops and go as a VIP to a Lazio match. Um, Excellent. You know, which was just crazy to, to get on the plane. I think oh, I'm doing this for a job. Um, was nuts. Uh, I went to a Champions League final as a, a guest of UEFA for Monaco against Porto. Um, and the prawn sandwiches were exceptional, as you'd expect. <laughs> um, in terms of the celebrations and stuff, uh, the only time that that happened that I've got a good story about it was uh, we went to, we were flying around different. Uh, different countries on on one trip to present the World Cup kits to the different federations. So it was like a three-legged trip where we flew to Tunisia to begin with. Then we came back to Germany to present to Cameroon because they were playing in Hamburg. Um, and then we flew out to Bulgaria the following morning to, to present to the Bulgarian FA. So the Tunisia thing was a good you know, a good trip and loads to eat. And we were only there a couple of days. Flew out to, to Hamburg and Cameroon were playing, uh, not really a charity match, but in Germany they'd done like a TV series that was like uh, Britain's Got Talent, but for footballers. And so the winners would all get to play a game against Cameroon at, at the Milan Tour at the, the St. Pauli Stadium. Wow. Um, and so we went up there and with the Cameroon Federation, it was always the way that you'd present to the key players first. So Song, Matomo, Etu wasn't playing in that one because he was, you know, he was too much of a high flyer already at that stage to be risked against these cloggers. Um, but uh, yeah, some of the guys were there. So we presented them the kit. They were all happy with it. They went and played the game. And then afterwards, it was like, right, let's go out on the piss in Hamburg. So so we've we've gone out to a, to a couple of different places and then one of the guys that had been called up was playing like second division football in in the Hamburg area. So he knew the city really well. Um, and he took yeah, Hamburg to isn't his... famous for anything, you know, anything <laughs> no, exactly. yeah. oh, sure it isn't. Yeah. No. Fairly, <laughs> fairly low-key night out. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, <laughs> but he, he took us to uh, he took us to like this local African nightclub where all the African expats would go. Excellent. And we've walked in there with the Cameroon national team and it was just crazy, absolutely crazy. <laughs> and even I was getting asked for my autograph and I am clearly not a Cameroonian international footballer. I think um, you could have done a good job at right back or left yeah. back. Robert. I'm 100% <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the, the nightclub owner came straight across when he realised who was in there. He gave us a bottle of champagne each. Um, probably didn't usually sell a lot of champagne because he didn't have enough glasses. So by the time he got to me, I'd got like one of his best teacups uh, to drink, <laughs> drink my champagne out of. Um, and it was quite the night. We ended up rolling into bed about three or four in the morning. Had to get up an hour later to fly to Bulgaria for the next presentation. Got oh, there absolutely hanging. Quickly got changed in the hotel. 
gone down into the room to do the presentation thinking it was just going to be you know a load of suits from the the bulgarian fa um and right in the front row of the presentation was Risto Stoichkov. i was just about to say i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. mr Stoichkov. <laughs> yeah totally hanging out my ass standing there and him and his mates all smoking these cigarettes with so much tar in them you couldn't snap them in half with your bare hands um so yeah that was that was heavy going definitely definitely but yeah now we've i've been really really lucky england matches and and all sorts yeah it's been great and i suppose the 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 or the, the obvious question, I suppose, the, that I probably should have asked first is, without giving away any trade secrets, what's the what goes into the brief for design of a uh, of a shirt? And do the clubs have a ton of say, or do the do the national teams do they have a massive ton of say, or do they just say traditionally this is what we've got? Don't stray too far or stray as far as you want from this, because as we know, and we're going to take a look at the Aston Villa jersey in a moment. You know, a lot of there's a lot of tradition within the Aston Villa jersey, and the further away you stray from that tra- tradition, I suppose, the less likely the the greater public are, are are going to potentially like it, unless you do an absolutely fantastic job, which majority of times people do. But what's what goes into the brief for a football chart? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it completely varies from brand to brand and club to club, which sounds like a cop out answer. But if you're Nike working with with one of their clubs, you know, you've you've got the might of Nike, the value of the contract that they've they've paid, you know, the, the likes of Nike, Adidas, Puma will usually walk in and talk about science first um, because that that gets people excited. If it's going to make the players perform better, then yeah. straight away you've got an advantage. Um, different teams will have different levels of input. So if you're an Umbro talking to a Manchester City that have just won the league, you've got a lot less clout than mm. Umbro talking to Blackburn Rovers, for instance. Um, some clubs like to be very traditional, um, but then I often refer back to uh, working with Bordeaux, which I think I first started working with them in about 2004, probably. Um, and they were very keen on having three shirts, and the home shirt always has that scapular on the front, yes. or the, the chevron. Um, and obviously that always had to be there, but they were open for us to do different artistic versions of that. Um, and then one each of the away and third shirt, one had to look smart with a pair of jeans and one had to appeal to like a young teen fan. So it gave them like the three commercial options and three different identities. And that was it was just a really awesome club to work with because they've got it completely nailed on that people who want to buy a shirt will usually buy the home shirt. And then with the other two, you give people a reason to buy one or both. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned they're, they're rather there about the how well it looks with a pair of jeans at what stage does it come to uh pleasing the fan we shall say um i know we've all got a big bugbear at the moment because of sizing and stuff like that i know we had stadium faces at villa last year to try and help um let's say the likes of me who uh should really be fitting snugly into a large short but struggles with extra large yeah. even at this stage but uh it always intrigues me uh, what's like because I know, I know it's important that, you know, the science and everything else of the time is is important to the player. But at what stage do, does the fan become a consideration? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, again, it kind of varies depending on brand. So during my time at Puma, we worked, once we got into the really scientific kits around the 2006 period, it was very much, we'll do exactly what's right for the athletes and that will be the right material and the right construction, the right fit. 
and then we'll use a look-alike material with slightly different properties and a different way of making it so for the fans it it looks the same to all intents and purposes but is different and more suited and a different fit um and then we also did a brit fit as well so for kitting out the likes of tottenham and and people like that there was like a the replica shirts were a different shape again um then working at umbro it was very much the opinion there that their replica shirts had always been exactly what the players were getting so there was no player version or replica version um which is nice in a way that it was like well you can you know you see the england team wearing the kit or the island team wearing the kit or manchester city and then you buy the exact one that your heroes are wearing but it kind of felt a bit like a halfway house where it wasn't ever quite elite performance enough for the athletes to my opinion um and so there was there was a bit of a compromise on that and then you know for some of the fans the product looked great on them and for others not so much depending on the fit so it is a consideration around the replica stuff but it's quite hard to to please people really because there is a, a real divide between wanting exactly what the players have got but also wanting something that's you know realistically suitable for them I think I think we've got to the stage where you need to have a specific uh, type of body to be to be looking for what the, the players are wearing yeah. um what what do you what do you think of of how Kappa have managed the the Villa kit over the last few years? Um, I think it's been interesting to watch. Of, of, you know, obviously from a informed but claret and blue tinted spectacles perspective, because um, Villa is a kit, particularly the home kit that I kind of I've always wanted to design, but would feel a bit like a poison chalice because it is one of those like doing the England kit where if you keep it really traditional, people say, well, it hasn't changed enough. Why would I buy it? You haven't made an effort. And if you change it a bit, everyone complains that it's not traditional. Um, so it is a, it would be a difficult one to get right. I think they've, they've done a good job of trying things and looking to, to tell little stories and bring interesting details into the product. I think the criticism that I'd have with Kappa and not just on the Villa kit, but with their designs in general is they, they just feel a little bit fussy. There's always a little bit too much detail. Um, so like with this one, there's kind of the double layer collar happening. There's, it's a raglan sleeve. So it's, it's cut away across the body instead of just going over the shoulder, um, which isn't super traditional for Villa. We tend to mm. have a set in sleeve and a, and a solid thing there but the way they've done the raglan it doesn't run right the way up into the collar so the back comes to the front and because we have contrast sleeves you get that little point up there so you've got points either side and a point at the front and the stripes that because some of them are so wide it actually makes it look really dark and it'd be interesting to see how that looks when it's wet if the if the lighter base color wets out and the whole thing becomes very dark um, all eyes on John McGinn for the first game of the season if it's sunny <laughs> to, to see how that one plays out um, so yeah it almost feels like a brand that's lacking a bit of design confidence really of like oh we don't need all these details it's almost like apologising for for being Kappa rather than if you think of when they first started doing those skin tight jerseys and some of the ones they did for Italy and Roma and teams like that they were just beautiful yeah. in their simplicity and oh, you know the, the yeah, yeah, I suppose of the 
I, I remember some years back when, when I lost a bit of weight, I bought a, a Kappa Sampdoria short. And uh, it's one of my prized possessions. Unfortunately, I can't get into it at the moment. But uh, I remember when, when they were announced for Villa and it was just a worry for me that no one was going to fit into these shorts other than the players. Yeah. And, you know, I remember they put out this famous tweet that was like, no, they're not skinny fit, but they are. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that's the unfortunate thing because, you know, um, I, th- I think th- they're going to have a couple of kids there now that are going to be iconic for years. And stuff that'll be really remembered because we've we've obviously had some some uh, magic days of, of obviously the first year staying up and then such iconic uh, results last season and yep. hopefully more of them this season. And it, it's strange when, when when you look at like obviously the, the pictures come out and, and it's when you see them um, as concept kits and you go oh no I don't like that at all and then all of a sudden it's announced on the day and you see Jack Grealish wearing it and all of a sudden you go oh. Now that's a game changer. You've seen it. You've seen it on Jack Grealish yeah. or John McGinn, and all of a sudden this thing becomes a thing of beauty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think it does. You know, usually when the, the concept stuff starts to float about, and people will ask my opinion, and I try to keep my counsel until I've seen it on a player because it does it does make a big difference as you go through the design process yourself. You start off with. Obviously, doing a sketch, you might illustrate it onto onto a drawing of an athlete, but it's only once you've got the prototypes in house and put it on somebody that it really starts to to kind of come to life. Um, but like you say, I, I think there's definitely an opportunity there for if that's the right silhouette for the players, if that's the shirt that they are happy to wear and is giving them the best performance conditions, perfect. But I mean, even just looking at the image that's up on the screen there now, if there was a straight line between the hem and under the arm instead of it coming right in like that, it would fit people great. It's as simple as that. Um, you've you actually, know. you've nailed, one of my concerns first, my first concern was completely selfish in the fact that I am, I have a body shape like a potato. There's lumps and hollows and everything in it. And straight lines, pinstripes are the enemy of the portly gentleman. So yeah. like, <laughs> if I'm putting that, like you can even see it in the photograph there, we have that's on a mannequin, and there's still you can still see the lines bubble and move yeah, and everything yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you see it on me, it'll be like a roadmap. But yeah, uh, totally, yeah totally. you know, but I, I, overall, I, I don't mind the shirt, I like it. Do you know what I actually like? I like about it is the contrast just underneath the sleeve, you can see that little bit of um. It's not fully blue all the way around. And yeah. I don't know why I like it, but as I look at it, I go, I, I think that it, it looks nice. And I don't know why, because I'm a very much a traditionist with the with the with the shirt. Claret body, blue sleeves, don't mess around with it. Maybe put a collar on it. I don't know. You know, um, but mm. I really like that and I don't know why. I've absolutely no idea why. And other little details I like on the new shirts that we've been getting for the last couple of years is the line on the back of the yeah. on the on the back of the collar. Little things like that. But yeah, I think the way they've executed the badge as well is is beautiful. That like was that. my next question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The embossed <laughs> badge, the 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 rubberized yeah. kind yeah. of it, obviously it would have been all embroidered before. Um What's the take on that? Is that, is that? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously from a, a player perspective, it's a lot more comfortable to not have a, a million embroidery stitches poking through the shirt onto your chest. Uh, not such an issue with how high up the badge is on these ones, but on, on, you know, some of the other kits that we would have had in the past where it was a bit lower, you know, you can imagine 
players having to, you know, sign kind of indemnity forms against having their nipples completely <laughs> eradicated by the, the amount of embroidery in a crest like that. Um, then you get the, the weight benefit of it as well with it being lighter than, than all those stitches. Um, and then in terms of making them, I mean, that that crest there would be no cheap thing to for the for the the brand to buy and apply to a shirt you'd be looking at you know they're probably a dollar each those those badges just to just to buy executed like that um from their vendor it is a that's a high value addition to the shirt which is why um and something that i'd kind of looked at before when you look at the kids shirts or certainly the infants ones they haven't got that detail on it it's all just mm. print straight on the front of the shirt which you know, saves a fair bit of money when you're trying to keep the price down on the kiddie stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we—I I mentioned to you just beforehand as well, just off uh, off camera. And I'm just going to remove that shirt there for a moment. You're not the only kit designer in the room, um, Rob. Uh, you're you're with Irish. Uh, you're with the AVFC lines royalty here in the form of uh, in the form of Paddy, and he designed a, lo- uh, a shirt for the for the Irish Lions Club, um, and it was a shirt. Paddy, I let you. What am I doing talking about it? Let you talk about anything. Sorry. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, while I get ready here, and I try and get a picture up of it here of our of our fearless leader and his brother holding the shirt. So. But basically, we, we design it. Most years we do a short um, and we, we have a charity partner on our short. Um, you'll see from the picture Neil puts up in a second, our charity partner was the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. We don't have, a, I suppose that is our dementia society here in Ireland. So mm-hmm. as you can see, we, we sent the short to to Dean and his brother there, um, who unfortunately lost his father last year, who yeah. was suffering from dementia for many years. It was COVID that took him in the end, unfortunately. God rest him. As, as we all know, there's some great tributes to him at Villa Park. So that was just our little tribute to him. But the, the short itself, um, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question now. Can you see any similarities in, in any other short over the years? Um, well, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've definitely used those colours before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I would say that there's a bit of inspiration there from the Stan Collymore era away shirt would be a guess. I can see the checks in there, which would have been the Randy Lerner era. Um, yeah, yeah, with the, the checkerboard being introduced, and maybe the way it's diagonal, some sort of sash thing, which I think was was that like Ian Taylor era AST computers away kit as well. Yeah, a lot going on there. Um, what 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 inspired me first was actually a USA kit from about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, where they had those lines coming across, and then the the decision to change them to claret and blue, and then if you see the the little detail, um, I can't claim any of any of those because that's done by our graphic designer James in in, uh, in the Leinster lines. But uh, we get great fun out of making these each year. Um, yeah. You know. As you can see, there's Tony Daly on screen. Where, so it looks like his, iron, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fun fact, my dad was Tony Daly's milkman and my sister did the flowers for his wedding. Paddy <laughs> pa- sits close to him in Villa Park. Well, <laughs> I don't, we don't sit close to him. When I don't go, he sits in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him a note next time. Ask him if he remembers my dad. <laughs> Will do. 
Um, but it, like it looks when you see someone with a physique like Tony Daly, I think a short just looks magic when when yeah. you put it on, as opposed to just holding it. And and that's the discussion we had a while ago. Um, and I, I think you only see the full benefit of a short when it goes on to someone. It's yeah. just a, a bugbear in mind that, that the fans don't get that full experience anymore because you know, especially when we when we get a bit older and things start to droop. Speaking from my, my own experience, that the the belly gets in the way when you're putting on one of these shorts, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to maybe our uh, our esteemed leader being uh, as as we know one of the owners of Adidas. So may, maybe we look forward to seeing an Adidas kit in the future. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think if if we were to be with Adidas or somebody, I think it would be an interesting one because obviously Mr. Sawiris holds a three percent stake in the business, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he's the single biggest individual shareholder in the in the company. Um, but I don't know how much clout that would have in terms of the way we would be managed on a day to day basis by a brand like Adidas, and I think we would probably end up in the same bucket as the likes of Leicester and Leeds with, you know, he is your kit. Um, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and I, I think for where we are as a club right now, it'd be interesting to be working with a brand that could pay us, a you know, the right amount of money to, to help with the FFP side of things, but that would also treat us, yeah, treat us with a little bit more kind of VIP treatment, I guess, that, that I don't think we would get with a, a Nike or Adidas at the moment, probably not even from a Puma, to be honest. I mm. think the other thing with Adidas is I did see a couple of mock-ups recently as well where people have done Adidas shirts in the Villa colours and they just look like West Ham kits. And I think it's just because we've never had Adidas before and they have. But I saw them and was like, oh, it's just a West Ham shirt. Um, whereas... Wash out your mouth. Wash out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, I think I, I think Adidas like, is one of the only the only manufacturers that we haven't had at this stage. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah you probably. Go, you come back from the from the early nineties. We've had some really obscure ones as well that that yeah. nobody else has had. Yeah, oh, totally, man. totally. Unless you started getting into some of these continental ones like Yako and you know whoever was kicking out North Macedonia at the Euros and that. But uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a, another comeback for Hummel. I think that. They, they do a really nice job right now with what they've done with, with Everton. I thought the Danish national team kit looked great. And I think we would be a prestige club for them, but they're also a brand that, knowing some of the people that work there, they've got a lot going on at the moment and they're, they're pushing themselves in the right direction like Puma were 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be interesting to be at the be at the front of that, perhaps be yeah. there you know, their Cameroon or Italy as they were to Puma back in the day. I know Neil isn't a big fan of the, the Chevron on the shorts, but I think there's something iconic about it. Um, it's funny you mentioned that about Adidas because, you know, I'm a bit of a Celtic fan myself and they've just brought out this away kit and I've just been scratching my head going, has a two-year-old just drawn this with crayons and they've put it together? Because it just baffles me that what they get away with. And it's like, you know, they did the Blues a few years ago but there was about seven yeah. or eight clubs around Europe with the same exact same design as, as the Blues home short. It's just a different yeah. badge and a different sponsor on the front. Yeah, I mean, because certainly um, the way that, that it works, I mean, I, I last designed a professional kit um, seven years ago now, but the, the way that it was always aimed whilst I was designing kits was it was really a platform, obviously, to market the brand on the on the bigger clubs. 
Um, but then also to sell team wear to Sunday league teams because there's huge, there's huge money in that. So with the likes of you know the the, the blues wearing Adidas or Nike kit. Yeah, Sunday league teams, the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's there is there's nobody sitting at Nike or Adidas headquarters working on a blues kit. You know, I could 99.9% guarantee that. Even to the extent of because you have different types of deals where obviously the big clubs get paid millions and they get a certain amount of free kits, which you know they very rarely meet meet the, the monetary value of that. Um some clubs will get just free kit, other clubs will just get it at a reduced rate. So with the likes of of the Birmingham Adidas deal, you know, they may have received a little bit of money for it, probably just got a certain amount of stuff free. Um but yeah, I mean if you if you think think of the amount of shirts that Adidas Nike sell with a, a Bayern Munich badge or Real Madrid or you know, whoever else you want to list off, Chelsea, whatever, you know, they're not gonna pay somebody to sit there putting that horrible badge on the front of a bit of royal blue polyester are they waste of time <laughs> use off, off camera as well rob you mentioned that you you guys in the spark academy that you've um that you run courses and how to design kits and things like that as well which i think is absolutely fantastic but yeah. there's also um within the kelly family again there's also a budding um short designer on on her way up through the ranks i'm sure as well and we're going to get you to, to to have a little look at this you've done a shirt that uh, that uh sergio aguero is famous for wearing as well and uh paddy's niece lucy has done a shirt that sergio aguero is is uh famous for wearing as well and let's just take a look at it here so paddy i'll let you describe this one as well because obviously it's uh it's close to your heart um, close to my heart, other than the fact that it's Manchester City, of course. But uh, yeah, during during lockdown, they did a, um, a short design competition for for children. So my ten year old niece, as she was at the time, designed this short, um, which went through a voting process on their social media channels, and eventually led to her winning the competition and receiving the video from um, Sergio Aguero with him wearing her short, which was a bit of a shock. Bear in mind that nearly all of my family are Man City. I thankfully escaped very early on and decided against it. But uh, unfortunately for Lucy, she's, she's come at a, a time where they're doing pretty well, so she, she had no escape. Yeah. Um, but uh, just wondering what, what you think of that. And um, I know when, when, when it was put up as the winning design, nearly i'd say 99 percent of the comments underneath where why aren't we wearing this short yeah no it does looks good looks good it feels very puma it's very on brand for the club is that her sketch in the frame as well um no that that was the puma sketch of oh okay uh, of uh so of, she's drawn that at 10. well we need to <laughs> need to get her into the academy shop if, um but no it's yeah it is, it's, a, it's a good looking kit it feels right for right for the club right for the the brand that she's designed it for um because they are definitely one of those clubs where you know you can do a little bit more with it um that's certainly nicer than that paisley effort that they've been wearing and that's for sure <laughs> i'm no fan of that um yeah no she's done a great job i can see why she why she won with that um yeah i mean if there's 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 plenty of fun to be had working in this industry so yeah maybe uncle paddy will get her enrolled on the course you um, never know yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, they, they were given they were given a template to 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 basically draw the yeah their their own sketch, and then obviously Puma or Manchester City enhanced it a bit for that photo, and then Puma obviously went ahead with the design. Yeah, but uh, it, it was funny to watch all the comments underneath. You, were, you know, we're what we're wearing this rag at the moment. Why, why can't we? Uh, why can't we make this one? Yeah. And and funnily enough, you know, the the hawkers from the, the far east were, were making up mock-ups of it and selling it all over Christmas. No so my my whole fa- while Lucy got one from Manchester City as a prize. And um, my whole family were able to buy them from from China or one of those sites. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, royalties. I'm sure. I'm sure Lucy's getting all the royalties for those as well. I'm you know? sure she is. Sure yeah. yeah, absolutely. Probably kids are right to the mic, you know. Maybe so. Maybe so. Guys, um. Rob, thank you so much for popping on. You know, I really enjoyed yeah. that. There's, as I said, we could have stayed here for another hour or two. I, the the technology of sh- of, of shorts and and uh, all, I suppose all the different kind of mechanisms that you've come across in your time would be a com- one for a completely different podcast. And yeah. I actually, I might actually catch you for another one of those later yeah, on, maybe it. in the let's year, because it. it's a uh, it's it's super interesting. Um, thank you so much for popping on. Do you want to just uh, maybe? I know you mentioned the Spark Design Academy as well. Do you want to give us maybe a few more details on that before? Before you finish up because i think it's it sounds like an absolutely brilliant thing that you know kids that were interested in this get into it and maybe you know you don't maybe you don't need to have a, gra- a full graphic design course behind you you know it's all about creativity and getting that creative spark at, you, at, at any age i suppose yeah absolutely i mean so we we set up set up spark design academy so we've got a design agency my business partner and i and he was a design director of football at nike so he did the Brazil World Cup winning kit in 2002. Um, so just Beauty. to kind of test the waters, really, we uh, we made the first course football kit design to be to be something unique. And the response has been amazing from, I think, our youngest students, about 13. Um, and we've even got one guy has, has been through the course who already had 20 years experience designing kits for smaller brands um, because he'd, you know, he wanted to know a little bit more about how it had been done at the bigger brands and um, and the more prestigious clubs. Um, so yeah, it does. It, it takes through the the whole the whole process of how you do your research, how you go about creating concepts, looking for new materials, what you have to take into account when you're presenting that, whether it's to a federation or an athlete or whoever it might be. Christo Storchkov with a hangover. Uh, <laughs> oh no, oh, those professional tips. Yeah, exactly. And it, it just covers all of that. And so we've got we've got two versions of the course, one that really is more for people that have got a firm focus on doing it for a career and perhaps, you know, already are maybe doing GCSE A level or, or a degree um, or above, with, you know, within kind of art and design or, or fashion. And then we, we launched another one a few weeks ago called the Collector's Edition which contains a lot of the same type of information, but it's more just for people who love football shirts. Um, so so that one is, I don't know, it's like 60, 70% cheaper than the big one because it, it doesn't include the professional stuff that you'd you'd need. But it means that if you wanted to go and sit down in the pub and talk about football shirts, you'd definitely be the, yeah, the smartest guy in the conversation because it does talk through the technologies and some of those insights into how and why teams end up wearing what they do, why when people see great concept kits online and ask why couldn't that be the kit, you know, I can look at it as a professional and say, well, 
because the retail price on it would be about 350 quid by the time you've matched up all those little patterns across all the different seams and stuff. Um, so yeah, we've we've got that and we're, we're going to continue growing out into, um, we've launched a, a presentation course designed for sportswear and fashion as well. And we're going to continue growing that. So for, for anybody really who, like I say, is anything up to the early or mid stages of their career and is wanting to work within sport or fashion, um, then yeah, there's going to be a range of courses for people at sparkdesignacademy.com. Great stuff. I have two final questions for you. Yeah. Very quick ones. What is the favourite shirt you've ever designed? And what is your favourite ever Villa shirt? Oh, good question. Favourite one I've designed would be probably the Italy away shirt for 2006, which they didn't win the World Cup in, but I just loved how it looked. And people often ask me why the home shirt had like the dark blue markings under the arm here. Um, and for every every team that we kitted out of the World Cup, we wanted something that expressed their national team and, and what their character was. So, you know, some countries had eagles and things on or lions or whatever. And the Italian team, we were like, well, they're superheroes. You know, you look at the likes of Vieri and Cannavaro and those guys. So the home shirt was the superhero outfit and the dark coloration on the shirt and the shorts was to kind of mimic what you'd get in a comic book where somebody's running fast and you get the lines kind of coming off the body. But then the away shirt was more like the Clark Kent, Peter Parker mm-hmm. type of thing where it's literally like a white V-neck T-shirt over the top of the uh, the home kit. The blue, yeah. Yeah. So uh, people had a lot of people had never noticed that it was just essentially the home kit with a white t-shirt over the top of it um so i just thought it looked really smart on the players looked smart with jeans and it was a nice story um and it also links nicely to the claret and blue training wear that all the staff were wearing at the world cup as well which obviously was a coincidence that i'm a villa fan and marcello he was wearing claret and blue at the world cup (laughs) Um, just like west ham we've won the world cup too yeah Um, yeah exactly exactly um and then favourite Villa kit. It's a difficult one because you always tend to lean towards ones that are more meaningful to you, I guess. I mean, I did love that, uh, the Reebok Collymore away one with the sky and the, the claret on it because it just felt so, it felt really new and fresh and it still looks really new and fresh, but it still felt like a Villa kit. Um, probably helped with like the colour of the sponsor and whatever else, but... I just thought that was a, a really, really nice jersey. Um, you know, my favourite was probably the 87, 88 Hummel one because that was that was the first shirt that I had. Um, when my kit design career began, mum and dad bought me for Christmas and within three days I'd drawn a number eight on the back of it with a marker. Destiny written in the stars. Written in the stars, right. And, and that's actually interesting that you say there about it being your first kit and that you hold it very sentimentally close to your heart as well. Um, for any Villa, uh, any Villa fans listening here, you might know Tom Julian, uh, formerly of the Villa View. Um, he just said on, on Twitter recently that, oh, 
he was going to purchase a kit for a kid of maybe some of a family who maybe couldn't afford it because he remembers how much his first Villa kit got him to love Villa and support Villa and be proud of Villa. And I think there's there's been 14, 15, I actually don't know what number, but there's been quite a lot of people, us here included, that have, have uh, rode in and said, we'll buy a kit as well, you know, for somebody who maybe wants one and can't afford it because it's so important. The kit is the emblem. The kit is the, it's the tribal colors. It's the, it's the the uniform, the war outfit, whatever you want to call it, you know, that's the one that when you wear your first football kit, you love it. My very first football kit was the 94 Muller shirt. It's, it was treble XL. It was the only one in the, in Limerick that I could get here in Ireland at the time. I'm not a particularly tall guy. I wasn't a particularly tall kid. I went into school. The sleeves were down around here and it was a short sleeves. It was like a dress. I didn't care because Paul McGraw wore it and had a muller in the front. And to this day, it still is huge on me as well, you know, to this day. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like that got me really tied down to Aston Villa. And when I was inside in school and when I was wearing it, and even because it was just so freakishly, cartoonishly big and people were slagging me, I didn't care. It made me want to support Villa even more. And I know there's tons of kids out there that are, are in the same in the same boat that, you know, they will latch on. They will become Villa fans for life. You know, but maybe what's kind of tying them back at the moment is they've no livery, they have nothing that they can put on mm -hmm. that can they can kind of truly express that yes, I do like this team. So Tom Julian, top notch to him, fair play yeah, to him. And um, as I say, I don't know what he has, um, how many he's up to this at this time, but we uh, as I say, fantastic idea. And it's just interesting to say to, to hear you say that your first kit was one that you hold very close to your heart as well, just like the two of us here too. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So, um, as you mentioned, anybody who's anybody out there that's interested in uh, the the shirt design uh, course that uh, Rob and the guys at Spark Academy are running, it's the SparkDesignAcademy.com. Um, you'll be able to find any information for it there as well. You'll also be able to find any information. It's there. It's on Rob's Twitter as well. So it's at real underscore Rob underscore Warner. You'll find uh, Rob there as well and, and any information for the Spark Academy there too. Uh, thank you so much, Rob, for popping on. As I say, we, sure. I was going to, I went through my dis disclaimer and I stopped myself at the start because I knew I wouldn't be able to keep this to 15, 20 minutes and I didn't. <laughs> but uh, So uh, I'm glad I didn't tell you lies in our first time we ever met. So... Um, <laughs> But thanks so much for, for, for popping on. Paddy, as always, thanks a million. Uh, you can catch Paddy on at Villa Paddy. You can catch me here on at Love McGrath Pod. Um, we're getting close to the start of the season, and I'm getting that tingly feeling about the 21st when we are. Or it is the 21st, isn't it, when we um we play tomorrow. our first? Yeah. It's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It's tomorrow when we play <laughs> our first preseason game. I'm going to be packed in front of um of the stream for that as well. Great job that the club have done as well, I think, in getting all the preseason games uh, games streamed. Um, really looking forward to it. Uh, really built on what they did with the youth games last year. And it's good to see that bit of progressivism coming from the from the media department, I suppose, with the club as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. It's nearly back to the season again, and hopefully we've got a couple of more signings so once again thanks so much Rob for popping on and um, all that's left to say is up the villa yeah up the villa up the villa Sports Social Podcast Network 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.